Welcome to Leather Bread, the podcast for fantasy football. Now, introducing your host, Hunter Slapdog Amaruso and Matthew Scotty Hopemeyer. Devils, you beautiful young ladies, you cougars, and welcome to another episode of Leather Brains, baby. What is going on? It is your host, Slapdog, and I'm joined here by Scotty Del Rizzi. We've made it, Scotty. We have made it. It's actually pretty impressive. This is episode number 50. We have been doing this for at least 50 hours on live mic. That's not even yeah. including all the extra crap well, yeah, that not, we do. Yeah, not even close to the amount of time we've actually spent on it. I, th- I think you said, what you said summarizes our efforts perfectly. And it's that, uh, it's impressive. Yeah. I mean, we're just two impressive people out here accomplishing massive feats that other people could only dream of. So it's just amazing. And I'm glad that you finally recognize the cougars in our audience. That's a segment wow. of our audience population that has gone unacknowledged. Uh, so I'm glad yeah. we finally rectified that. Massive wrongdoing. Yeah, no, I, you got to give mad respect to the Cougars. You really do. It, you were saying all these good things about us, but the only thing I could think of throughout the whole thing is right before we recorded, uh, as our listeners know, I'm, I'm currently living with you for the next couple weeks until I venture back home. And I was sitting on the couch upstairs right before we walked down to record, and you turned to me and said, hey, I got a full thing of milk here, and it's going bad tomorrow. I was like, okay. And you're like, you want to drink it with me? And so you and I just chugged. A gallon of milk together and then we walk downstairs and we just act like that was normal i mean that is perfection in and of itself i think so glad to have you guys here yeah i personally have never been a part of a successful project that didn't start with a gallon of milk just two percent by all participants i got yeah. some lactose issues too so this is going to be interesting i figured everybody you better mute your mic yeah i'm going to um if this is your first time here Thanks. Thanks for coming on. Hope you enjoy the banter. Hope you enjoy some of the info that you're about to receive. And we hope you enjoy your questions. Uh, if, if they are your questions and if not, send us your questions. We'd love to have them. So today we are uh, we're going to be going over the news today as well as the questions. So there's there's a lot to talk about in the news. We figured instead of giving you guys, uh, you know, something that may or may not be entertaining. There's a lot of news to cover, and we want to uh, to provide that for you in terms of how it relates to fantasy football because there's quite a bit of it. So without further ado, let's get down to business. Let's get down, let's get down to business. Yeah, we got a buttload of news here, so we're going to jump right into it. A.J. Brown is reportedly forming a strong connection with Jalen Hurts, who is also reportedly showing signs of improved vision and accuracy. Of course, this is nothing new. Uh, in the offseason and in camp, you always hear these glowing reports about a lot of the star players on these teams. Um, but still something to be excited about with some uncertainty with A.J. Brown going into the season with a new quarterback and Jalen Hurts, who, you know, from a fantasy perspective, I think is a great option. But as a quarterback, pers- uh, you know, from just a quarterback perspective, you can see a lot uh, to be desired in Jalen Hurts so far. So is this something that's you know, fantasy players and fantasy managers should take to heart and be more excited about this duo going into the upcoming season? You know, I, I often I, I think about that quite often because where A.J. Brown is going is not as great as it usually is, but that's in large part due to the quarterback play. Jalen Hurts finished his quarterback nine last year in a PPR format in, in large because of his feet. He is able to move around. He is able to accelerate. He looks great. He is their running back one on that team. And then they went and got A.J. Brown, which is is great. If you're a Devontae Smith owner, you're a little sad. But um, if you're an Eagles fan, you got to be very excited because they went and they, they got a top-tier elite wide receiver, still very young. But you need Jalen Hurts to be able to take a step forward this year because his throwing ability was lacking in a lot of a lot of areas last year. He, he was very inaccurate. He wasn't able to make the plays that he needed to with his arm. He's got to do it this year. They went and they got him a top-end wide receiver. He has to prove it. So in a, in a fantasy football format, A.J. Brown has dropped a little bit. There is some skepticism there, and I, and I share some of that skepticism. I, I am somebody who, I, depending upon who's still around, I, I, I don't know if I want to take the risk at where A.J. Brown is currently being drafted at. I think there's some other options. But 
I like Jalen Hurts, man. I, I love Jalen Hurts this year because no matter what, if he can't throw the damn ball, he's going to be moving with his legs still, and he's going to be fantasy football relevant. So I, I'm exci- I think I'm more excited for Hurts than I am for A.J. Brown going into this year. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Hurts is, is as close to a sure thing as you can get from a fantasy perspective just because of the, the upside uh, in the rushing game. Uh, it's the same thing that we say about Trey Lance. I mean, it's someone that regardless of how – you know, regardless of what his quarterback rating is, he is going to have a lot of opportunities on the ground, which makes him very, very appealing to fantasy managers. Now, I am in the unique position of hating on A.J. Brown for a long time and then drafting him <laughs> in our new Dynasty League that just we just drafted a couple days ago. Um, so I, I was not very happy with that pick. Um, however, there's no doubt that A.J. Brown has significant upside, especially considering or, or in the event that he and Jalen Hurts are able to form a significant connection because AJ Brown is a top tier talent. There's no doubt about it. So if he's able to get the ball uh, anywhere in the vicinity uh, of of the uh, of his hands, I think he's got a good opportunity to uh, to make some good plays and to hopefully outperform his ADP. So we'll see. But I'm hopeful. Uh, next thing on the docket here is that Saquon Barkley is reportedly impressing so far in camp, according to ESPN's Jordan Ronan demonstrating explosiveness, decisiveness, and quickness. But most importantly, Barkley looks 100% healthy. Now, we've heard this story before, and we've had many a conversations about Saquon. What are your thoughts? Every time I see the name Saquon Barkley, I just think of Yeti. Like, that's, that is the truth. I, it, because Yeti is such a believer in him. Yeti is super excited for him. I, Yeti is, I think, low-key, and I don't think he wants to admit this. I think he is, like, a, a Giants fan. Uh, but he won't admit it to himself. I thought you were going to say he's in love with Saquon Barkley, to which I was going to respond. Saquon Barkley might be one of the most handsome men in the NFL. No, he's Jimmy G is the best child. looking. Jimmy G is the okay, sexiest. I said, I said one of. There's the room for discussion, but Saquon Barkley, I saw like his just close up picture. He's a very good looking. I think man. JJ Watts. I think most of the Watt brothers are pretty good looking too. Yeah, the NFL is just full of these peak athletes in great physical condition, so it's not surprising that a lot of them look good. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Anyway, I guess we, that was a little bit of a gay tangent. That's okay. I apologize for that. But We're, Saquon Barkley. He is a good-looking dude. Is, uh, he is a good-looking really dude. Good I'm telling you. Dude. Yeah, I'll give it to him. He's he's good-looking. I, I got to yeah. He's I'll put him up there as, as the top 10 sexiest NFL players right now. Um, <laughs> at any rate. We don't root for injuries here. We've said that before, and I, I will say that again. I am not somebody who is is uh, rooting for any sort of injuries, but I'm just a little scared for Saquon, much like I am CMC and Barkley, or uh, excuse me, um, Henry, Derek Henry. Between those guys, I'm I'm a little scared. I'm a little scared. The, all three of them. Now, I will say, I, I think Saquon for where his ADP, I believe he's like a third round ADP right now in a redraft format. That is a good value because if he, if he can stay healthy, you're getting a top 10 guy right there. I mean, that, that's, that's what it is. And guess what? You still have two other, two other picks before him, you know? So, uh, I, I, I like Saquon where he's currently going at. If Saquon was a, a, an early second round guy, I wouldn't touch him because of where I, there's just other value there, but early mid third, that's kind of where he's going. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with the buy there. But, and we did a, we did some mock draft. We mock draft every day. We do it all the time. I will say, the when I'm mock drafting, I'm cognizant of who I'm taking and who I'm taking right after that. Yeah, it's fantasy football. Duh, slap dog. I know that. But, like, if I'm grabbing a CMC, I, I've, I mock draft today. I grab CMC. The next running back I'm attempting to take is a youthful spry guy who I know at the very least will be on the field knock on wood because anything can happen but with with cmc's injury history i i have to be I, i'm aware of that so if i was to take like cmc a wide receiver and then saquon that's a lot of risk there so i, I just want to point that out to all of our listeners because you could end up with no starting running backs given injury history and you can't i mean you cannot predict that but it is something i think that needs to be said yeah, well, and that's it's an interesting point because a lot of fantasy managers are in the position now when you're drafting the running back position at the at the elite level, you know, top ten running backs, um, is is full of injury history, full of yeah. them. 
So if you're one of these people who says, okay, there aren't very many elite running backs. I want to get, I want to go running back, running back. And you've said that yourself, that that's, that's a good strategy to go into a redraft format with running back, running back. You almost are going to inevitably be choosing two running backs with significant injury history. I mean, from Saquon to Derrick Henry to CMC to Joe Mixon, all of these guys, yeah, Dalvin Cook, all of these guys that are going in early rounds all have injury history. So it's almost inevitable to some degree that you're going to incur a lot of risk taking running back, running back, but you pretty much have to try and do that or at least go running back, receiver, running back. I mean, you have yeah. to make running backs a priority in redraft leagues. And unfortunately, just with the way the NFL is structured right now, you're going to incur a lot of risk doing yeah. that. Yeah, so I like... What, what else no, can you do? No, in 100%. But, like, you know, I'm I'm somebody who, uh, like I said, we did a lot of mock drafts today. Austin Eckler was my my running back one. And I made sure, I reached for him uh, maybe around early to get Isaiah Spiller to sure up that room. Because in the event that Eckler goes down, I still needed a running back one. And that's who it would be. So, um that's what, you know, back on the Barkley thing, I don't hate it. I, I'm excited for him. We don't root for injury. I hope he does well. He's in a new offense, or he's got a new offensive coordinator, yet he's very, very high on him. Um, I, I maybe not nearly as high as Yeti is, but I, I'm excited for him. I, I think that it's a good opportunity for him and a good opportunity for fantasy football uh, players that own him. So, Yeah, and speaking of handsome NFL players, we have... <laughs> word from the 49ers about Jimmy G. So he is expected to be kept until cutdown day, according to Ian Rappaport, pretty much only because they can't find anyone who wants him right now. So there's still no clear trade partners available, and final cuts happened at the end of August. So it's unclear whether or not San Francisco will choose to hang on to him and keep him on the roster afterward or just drop him and let him go. But there is news here that the Rams have shown interest in Jimmy G if he is dropped. So it doesn't sound like they're willing to trade for him, but this is probably due to Stafford's elbow news, all this sure. stuff that he's dealing with this uh, with this elbow pain, and they want to try and secure that quarterback position. Jimmy G's not a bad option in that regard to have as a backup, but they don't want to pay the price for him. No, and Stafford's even come out, and he's kind of downplayed his elbow injury, just calling it soreness, uh, which I get it. Right. Because you don't want to let anybody know that you're injured. And, and that's kind of how I look at it. Is I think that they're do I think it's incredibly serious? No. But do I think that would the Rams have come out and said that they were interested in Jimmy G if they didn't think there was slight cause for concern? No. So I, I think that there's there's a little bit of play going on on either side. At the end of the day, from a fantasy football perspective, if Jimmy G is the starting quarterback with the Rams, it's a significant downgrade for Matt Stafford. But. Look at all the weapons that are around there. And that is exciting is it, that whole team is stacked full of fun toys for him to utilize and get the ball down the field with. And so um, it would suck. It would really suck because I think that, that your, your value of both Allen Robinson and Cooper cup get damaged there. Uh, Cam Akers may be actually a little bit more, um, more heavily involved and therefore his fantasy output is a little bit juicier, but uh, we don't root for injuries here I, at the end of the day. I think Jimmy G at this point is probably going to get cut or I just, I don't see a world in which at this point, all the quarterback positions are pretty much taken. I mean, there is talk and Jimmy G is, is a viable backup quarterback, but he's not great. He wasn't great the last couple of years. And um, I think at this point he's a QB too. So that's how I look at him. All right, moving on here. We have news that JK Dobbins was reevaluated yesterday, Monday, the 8th. And he is looking to return as, return as soon as possible and be ready for week one. So it's still technically unclear as to whether or not that will happen. But it seems like things are moving in the right direction for J.K. It seems like, I mean, he has been saying basically all offseason that he's ready to go. They've been sure. taking their time with him, which is smart, making sure. Yeah, I mean, both, both, both of their running backs now, their uh, running back one and running back two, are dealing with injuries. So they want to make sure he is ready before he sees the field. Uh, but it's looking more and more likely that that's going to happen. Yeah, and I, I think another report came out today that said Gus Edwards is trending not to be ready week one. So I think if you're a J.K. Dobbins owner, you're looking at targeting him, that's where you go. I, th I think that's that's the plays. You you root for J.K. Dobbins. He, he comes back, he's healthy, and he looks good. That's what you're hoping for. Beyond that, I, 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 I don't think there's much more to say as far as J.K. Dobbins is concerned. His ADP is, I, I want to say... Man, I, if memory serves fourth round, I think, somewhere around there. Um, and, and I think that's appropriate. If he is back week one, then, then hoorah. And if not, 
You know, he he is a risk. He is 100% a risk because he's coming back from a very serious injury. What's he going to look like? How is he going to perform? Those are the things that, that have to be going through your mind when you're drafted him. So I think he's appropriately valued because he could come back and be a pretty pretty great option for you. But I think that I I personally am kind of straying away. I think Brees Hall's around there, and I would much rather have Brees Hall over J.K. given – uh, given the health concerns and and coming off of that. So there's some other options I, I'd be interested in, but I, I don't hate the play there. I'd maybe let him fall another round, and if he's there, I'd take him at that point. But um, he's got to come back. He's got to be healthy, and he's got to prove it. Well, it all depends, too, because if in the event that J.K. Dobbins comes back and he looks good, Gus Edwards, Edwards will eventually be back. And he is not a bad handcuff option. I, we have a lot of very good handcuff options in this draft, um, but Gus Edwards is not a bad one. He's actually who I decided to take mm-hmm. because again, I took JK Dobbins, another pick that I wasn't super stoked about at that, at that range. But at the time it felt like the best move to make. So I made sure that I picked up Gus later in the draft, despite the fact that he likely won't be ready come start of the season, because it's a great handcuff to have for a guy who has this significant injury in his recent history. So just something to keep in mind as far as strategy goes there. Uh, we have more news here, and I don't know if this is good news or bad news, so we'll just have to <laughs> leave it up to the Brainiacs. Uh, but Geno Smith uh, reportedly struggled in scrimmage last week, working with the first team, throwing for less than 100 yards in that scrimmage, and he was definitively outplayed by Drew Locke. Now, not a huge surprise. I think most people expect that Drew Locke is going to be the quarterback one in this offense. Um, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. Give me some there's, I mean, there's nothing else to say. They're both quarterbacks are subpar at best. And I, I go back and forth because there's, uh, I, I think about this team. I think about some of the players that are still on there. And I think about who is going to be usable in fantasy football. I'm not touching either of these quarterbacks because especially in a redraft format, there's absolutely no value there. Rashad Penny is a great late round pickup. He is falling incredibly far, and he's going to be the starting running back this year. So if you're looking for a late, late round flyer running back that is going to start the year, it is Rashad Penny. However, I would suggest six rounds before you draft Rashad Penny, try and get Kenneth Walker because Rashad Penny has not played a healthy game of NFL football since he has been in the league. So that is a problem, right? But he's going to start. He's going to start. And then inevitably, we don't root for injury. We hope he plays all year. But there's a pretty good chance he does it. And then that's when Kenneth Walker takes over. So the running back room is going to be nice. But they're going to be playing down a lot this year. And I think that's why I don't hate the DK Metcalf play. I'm not excited about him. I don't think he's going to be a smash play this year. Because he he has a significant downgrade at quarterback. Significant downgrade. I, I don't like Tyler Lockett as much solely because Tyler Lockett typically plays the outside receiver who catches the deep balls. I think that it's going to be quick releases because I think Drew Locke is, is not a good quarterback and he's going to be freaking out a lot. And I think that he's going to be looking for DK Metcalf and they're going to be playing down. So I don't think he's capable of making the accurate long throws that he needs to. And I think that's where DK is going to going to benefit a little bit. So I that that's my look at that offense in general. Maybe DK, Tyler Lockett's his ADP is is really really low. So, but I think he's going to be a week to week guy. I, I don't think he's going to be somebody that you can count on every single week to use as a wide receiver too or a flex. I, I mean, maybe if you're playing best ball, that's where Tyler Lockett is going to shine at. But uh, DK, I look at him as a wide receiver too, with just a little bit of upside due to the fact that I think that that Seattle team is going to be playing down a lot of the year. Yeah, I mean, the the DK conversation generally is entirely situational because the reason that I'm so down on DK is because of his ADP. Um, You're right that he's got some upside, and you're right that the Seattle offense is going to be playing from behind basically in every single game this year, uh, which is another reason why, as you said, the backfield just doesn't really interest me all that much, especially considering both of those running backs are not known as pass catchers. Um, But the bottom line is picking up DK as early as he is going right now doesn't make a lot of sense considering how much this offense is going to struggle. And yeah, he may get a lot of targets, but a lot of targets relative to a struggling offense. So to me, the reason I've been lobbying for Tyler Lockett is because he is the deep ball guy. They're going to be throwing the ball deep when they're down by 30 points a game. 
and you can get him for basically free in drafts versus the high draft capital that you have to spend on DK Metcalf, who sure might get a lot of targets, but on an offense that is going to be very underwhelming and very disappointing. Yeah, and like I said, I, I'm, I'm not excited to own him, but if I was to pick a piece that I wanted to own, it would probably be him. I don't think Drew Locke can throw it accurately enough to make Tyler Lockett a, a weekly. And if you're playing PPR, that's where I think you're going to get the most value out of DK at, So. Yeah, yeah. We also have news here that Damian Pierce is reportedly getting first-team reps in camp. Is this going to be a timeshare? It usually is for the Texans. The Texans usually have a timeshare of a running back committee, and it's rather frustrating for most uh, most players in fantasy football. Um, as a a previous Texans fan, it was very frustrating to watch because you never knew what the fuck was going to happen back there. I'm not surprised by this. Do I think it's going to be a timeshare? Yeah, probably. But I, I think that we're going to find that Damian Pierce ends up being the main guy in that off in that 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 running back room. They have an aged running back room. They none of their running backs are incredible. They drafted this guy early, and they needed help at running back. So I, I think that he I, I've I've kind of gassed him up before on previous episodes, and I'm, I'm glad to see that. He is doing what I, I thought would probably happen is him getting a workload. And I think he's still going to have to earn a spot and prove himself. But I think that he will end up working himself in and be a feasible running back um, by the end of the year. In a dynasty format, I'd, I'd be interested in owning Damian Pierce. I, I really would because I do think that he's going to end up being there and being their guy for a while. All right, moving on here, we have word that Adam Thielen is getting consistent red zone work in the new offense in the offseason here, indicating that maybe his touchdown-dependent ceiling might not be something to worry about this season. I've talked about Thielen before, uh, aging out of this offense. To me, the bottom line is, do you value Justin Jefferson as high as everyone else does? Because if you do, Thielen is going to be missing out on a lot of opportunities for both touchdowns and catches generally. However, it seems like they are dead set on going to this guy in the red zone, which has a lot of value. What do you think? That's kind of been Thielen. That that has been Thielen. Is he's he's been able to produce a lot in the red zone, and that's what has made him so valuable in fantasy football. Uh, I, I am in the camp that I do like Justin Jefferson, and if you don't like Justin Jefferson, you're freaking silly. But I, I think that that really the, the question at hand here is this: Do you believe that Adam Thielen can stay healthy? That is that is what you have to ask yourself this year if you're drafting Justin Jefferson in a redraft format. Is Do you believe that Adam Thielen will be able to stay healthy all year? We don't root for injuries here on this podcast, but I'm also a realist, and I lean towards he probably won't be. And if that's the case, then so, it's going to be the Justin Jefferson show. I still think it's going to be largely the Justin Jefferson, excuse me, the Justin Jefferson show, but I think that it's going to be able to spread out the defense a little bit more with Thielen there. So I hope he can stay healthy. If he does, he and he where is it? He's going late, later in, in the draft. Great wide receiver too, with that could produce wide receiver one numbers every week, given his his health and, and ability to spread the ball around. So I, I'm excited for him. I hope he stays healthy, and I, I think that he does provide quite a bit of value in a redraft format this year. All right, this is potentially well. I won't say it's the biggest news of the weekend, but it's certainly right up there. That Kareem Hunt has officially requested a trade, but it seems as though the Browns have told Hunt now that they have no intention of trading him at this time. But it's probably going to be wise uh, to continue to monitor this situation because if Kareem Hunt finds a new home, I mean, he, he has running back one potential. I mean, sure. he is a very, very talented running back who has been sort of handicapped by being in this committee offense. Um, so it's something to keep in mind, but... Either this situation is going to end with Kareem Hunt getting a new contract, which may be what this whole thing is about. He's trying to he's trying to get a better contract here, um, or he's going to find a new home where he very well may be someone that is uh, drafted significantly higher than he is currently. Yeah, I look Kareem Hunt is is man in a redraft format so incredibly undervalued. If you need a running back that you can plug in and start every week late in the game Kareem Hunt's your guy to go to I mean that that's that is what the the reality is if he can stay healthy and we have to say that with all running backs but he's he's had some injury issues and we've kind of touched on those before I realistically speaking I don't know if he's going to get another contract with the Browns Nick Chubb is with them until 2024 and and then after that at the age of 30 Nick Chubb becomes a free agent so 
Are they going to pay him the money that he is looking for and deserves? I don't know. I lean towards probably not. So he probably wants to go somewhere where he is needed and prove that he still has gas left in the tank to be able to get it done. Because right now it's going to be the Nick Chubb slash Kareem Hunt show like it has been for the last couple of years. And he wants to go be the bell cow so he can make money. So I get it. But they are definitely not going to let that happen. That offense right now desperately needs both of them, given the whole Watson situation. And we don't know what's going to what the, the finality of that is going to be. But I think that the Browns are preparing for a suspension with Deshaun Watson. They need all the help they can get in that offense. And that's both of those guys right there. So it was kind of surprising to see. You know, when I saw it, I was like, oh, trouble in paradise. But it, it makes sense from his perspective. And I understand that. He's looking for his next paycheck and he's looking for another home. And it's probably not going to be with the Browns. Our good news from Arizona. Kyler has defeated COVID-19. And has returned to practice. So not a ton of fantasy implications here. Obviously, this is to be expected. But as a uh, Cardinals fan, I'm sure it's good news for your sweet little ears. And, and I know, look, here's my thing, hoping hoping that Kyler did. I hope he played the living shit out of Call of Duty when he was sitting at home. Get it out of your system. Play all day and all night. I don't care. But now it's time for football, baby. We got football coming up, and I need you to be ready. You're my quarterback. I need you. So glad you're back on the field. Hope you got your call of duty out so you can play. You can still, I, I give, I give you permission in small doses to still play, but while it's football season, we need you there first. Okay, Kai. So let's get it done. K1. All right. And uh, speaking of Kim Kardashian esque comebacks, we have word here that <laughs> Michael Thomas is now participating in full team drills, which is the final step that he had to take in making his comeback uh, back to the team here. So this is uh, good news. Again, not too surprising. Michael Thomas is a very interesting fantasy prospect and a risky one at that, but someone who does have the potential to pay off in dividends. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I've said this before. I, he's fallen real far in, in drafts, which is good. That makes me much more comfortable drafting him. I just don't know who's going to freaking eat in that offense. I've said this before. The last time Michael Thomas played football was two years ago with his quarterback that uh, is named Drew Brees. Now, while we are huge fans of Laser Jameis here on the show, there is a drastic difference between Drew Brees as a quarterback and Laser Jameis as a quarterback. It's a completely new wide receiver group. His head coach is gone. The Saints are in. Is Alvin Kamara going to play this year? We don't know. So. There are so many different things going on with this team that I'm I'm okay drafting Michael Thomas later because that's kind of where he's at. Glad to see that he's healthy. Glad to see that he's back. I just don't know what he, what he's going to do because they drafted rookie Chris Olave and they went and got Jarvis Landry. So the wide receiver room is completely different. Can Jameis Winston get it done? That's what I want to know. And the Jameis that I know, uh, that's that's tough. That's tough. I don't want to talk. I don't want to talk ill of Laser Jameis because I do love him. But there are other cornerbacks in this league. They're a little bit better than he is. Yeah, and these last two pieces of news here uh, are vindicating to me and many other <laughs> uh, you know top tier fantasy experts who have given great advice to their listeners. Uh, Khalil Herbert is expected to have a larger role this season and is getting a fair share. First team reps. What does this say for that offense? I think this says that they want another team that needs all the help they can get. Khalil Herbert proved that when David Montgomery went down last year, that he was usable. He was a running back that could get the job done for an otherwise underperforming team. So he proved himself. He he kind of earned himself a spot on that offense, and, and rightfully so, because David Montgomery has he's faced some injuries before, and I I love Herbert. I think that he for how late he's going. You're one injury away from me having a starting running back for the rest of the year. So not like knock on wood, we don't root for injuries. But that team, I feel bad for Justin Herbert. I the Bears, if you're a Bears fan, I sympathize with you. I I'm sorry, but you are not going to have a great year. So if you're looking to touch on one of these running backs, I, I think that you have to have that in you, mind. Did you mean Justin Fields? Yeah, sorry, I said I Herbert. I'm sorry. Justin Fields. Yes, thank you. Uh thanks for holding me accountable there, Scotty. I appreciate that. Yeah, anytime. Um, Producer extraordinary. Yeah, you're the best. Uh, I just, I, I think that they're going to be playing down quite a bit, you know? And I think that if you're looking for one of those running backs, it's going to get a little bit more tough. 
they're not going to be seeing as many touches because they're. I think they're going to be throwing the ball quite a bit because they're playing now. So tough look. Excited for Khalil Herbert. Not, once again, not rooting for injury on Montgomery, but he is a late round flyer that I, I do like for his upside. Yeah, and I mean it, it's it's also you know true that the new offensive coordinator there is a fan of committee running backs um, or running back committees, I should say. So. It's one of those things where you have to value them appropriately. Montgomery is not someone I'm looking to pick up, but uh, Herbert is somebody. He's one of these handcuff options that also is going to be seeing some playing time in all likelihood, so not a bad pickup at all. And along these same lines, we have word here from Eagles insider John McMullen, uh, who says that running back Kenneth Gainwell, quote, seems to be penciled in for high leverage situations like third downs, hurry up offenses, and goal line work. Um, again, vindicating Scott Delray here. In my, uh, in my, uh, I don't want to say hatred because that seems harsh, but I'll say it anyway. Hatred of Miles Sanders. I don't. <sighs> on paper, Miles Sanders looks bad. On paper, for a fantasy football statistical output, he does not look good. I like Miles. San- I won't touch him in fantasy football. Let me get. Let me. Let me say that. I, I'm. I'm afraid of him in fantasy football. But I loved watching him last year when he was on the field because he is a good runner. He is a. He passes the eye test for me in ways that Clyde Edwards-Alaire never will. I like Miles Sanders a lot as a running back. But the problem is, is, is Jalen Hurts is their quarter or their running back. That's what he does, and so. Are they going to take a step back from from all the scrambling as much as he did last year and actually run the ball a little bit more? I don't know because that offense has changed a little bit. And I, I like my I really like Miles Sanders, and I hope that he can stay healthy, and I hope they find a way to utilize him because I think he's a very good running back. I just think that he really hasn't had a, a great great go of it. So Kenneth Gainwell. Good to see that he's playing. I, I, he's somebody who I'm probably I'm not getting overexcited about because, by and in large, the only person that I think I really want on the Eagles this year is Jalen Hurts. That's it. That's all the news we get. Okay. Well, then let's uh, let's just go ahead and move on to the questions. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me wanna wag my tail. When it comes, I wanna wail. Damn it! Yeah. I was drinking my beer and I had my Piss mic poor muted. On your part on that one, you really let alcohol derail Yo. your professional endeavors, which is upsetting to me as your friend. That is, well, I think that's like that's the title of my book that I write one day: "Alcohol That Failed Me." Deep. We can talk yeah. later if that's you need just, someone a sad to talk. Story. To. I'll be here for you. Yeah, you're upstairs. We'll we'll grab we'll finish off that jug of milk and have ourselves a yeah, good little have time. Have a good glass of milk and a couple more Coors Lights, and we'll have a good discussion about life. Yeah. All right. First question comes from Snoochie Booch four twenty. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. love that name. That is such a good name, Snoochie Booch four twenty. I think that might be one of the best names well, thus far. I don't know about all that, but it's interesting. It it. It just inspired so a good, hearty chuckle, which is good, I suppose. It did. Right, he asks, it, it did. what if a fantasy manager wants to keep their first-round pick? Here's the backstory. Going into our second year of a keeper league, we want to keep three players, and it will cost their draft pick plus one. So if we drafted someone in the fourth last year, it would cost them the third, etc. My question is, what happens if the manager wants to keep a player that they drafted in the first round this is a logistical problem that you yourself have uh, have come with a solution for for our own keeper league so lay it on us give us the yeah. knowledge yeah so you know in our in our uh, our league of record uh we just recently just this year it transitioned into a keeper league it was actually a shit ton of work for myself, I'm the commissioner in that league, so I we I proposed it. Then I came up with a bunch of different uh, you know rules and let everybody vote. And we had Google Forms; it was to be kept anonymous by everybody. So it was actually a shit ton of work. But it, my goal in doing this was to try and think of every scenario that would play out, so that way we don't have any arguments down the road or or people claiming you know that this is unfair and stuff like that. So. What I came up with is is we're in a one-keeper league. So we I'd proposed a couple different number of keepers that you could choose, and ultimately the one keeper was voted on. The rules that followed with that or are if you want to keep your first-round pick, you can only do so for one year. So 
let's say for instance you you last year you drafted CMC and in the first round and you want to keep him again this year that's fine you forfeit a first round pick to do so but you can keep CMC however after that he must go back into the player pool the following year and you cannot you cannot draft him so that's the rules that we use um, or will be using rather I think that's fair and 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 uh, to compound on that you can only keep a player for, I believe it was a three-year tenure. I'd have to go look back at the whole rule sheet. But um, they can only be on your team for three years before they go back into the pool. So if you draft someone in the fifth round and you decide to keep them year over year, three years is their term and they must go back in the player pool. So I think that keeps it somewhat fair. That way somebody who, you know, like for instance, last year I drafted John Taylor in the second round. I could keep him for two years if I wanted to. Uh, before he has to go back into the pool because that that's like a it's an advantage you know if if you have the last pick in the first round and you're taking John Taylor there you you got you got a guy who would normally go with the at the very first pick so and there's I mean there's a, a lot of different arguments for value and things like that but um, that is how we do it I think that that's fair they have to forfeit their first round pick and then the following year they they cannot keep that player yeah so just a couple follow-ups here so th the other thing to note and correct me if I'm wrong, but the way that we are also going to be doing it is um, – I lost my train of thought now. I forgot the question I was going to ask. Um, well, I'll move on to the second question then. In a, from a strategy perspective, you know, one of the benefits of the Keeper League is being able to get someone who is undervalued in this year's draft next year when maybe they're appropriately valued. So what do you think about sure. the strategy of keeping your first-round pick and losing out on a first-round pick? I suppose it's all situational. depends on the player. But ultimately, when I'm looking at a keeper, I am looking at someone who, like I drafted Jamar Chase toward the end of last year's draft, and now obviously he's yeah. going in the first or second round. Um, you know, I'm looking to keep a player like that versus keeping a high uh, or, a, you know, an early round pick for the next year. Sure. Yeah, and, and that's typically what I would do too. You know, I, I put the rule in place simply because I didn't want somebody to take a first round and then it come up later. Um, and, you know, you, you think about it like this. If you wanted to keep a, a second-round player, well, then you, you you know, what do you do after that? You know, or a third-round player, what do you do after that? Uh, because they're so close. And so that was the thought process behind doing it. I, I share the same train of thought that you do there, Scotty, is I'm looking for players that I draft a little bit later who have skyrocketed in value and, and, and will provide me benefit the next year. When I'm playing in a keeper league, I, I'm not in it for the long con. I'm in it to win now because that's that's how you play. So drafting John Taylor in the second last year, that's what I did. I would have to forfeit my first round pick for John Taylor. Is that worth it for me? Probably not because I at one point traded Justin Jefferson or I, I traded to obtain Justin Jefferson and we have rules worked in for trades as well. And I was looking at Justin Jefferson was he was drafted in the third round last year. So he would probably be, and I think I had Mark Andrews who was in the sixth round last year. One of those two guys is who I'd be keeping because I'd either forfeit a second round pick for a top five wide receiver or I'd forfeit a fifth round pick and get arguably the best tight end on the board. So the, I, I'm always looking for value. I'm not interested in the first three round guys typically. I'm looking for somebody who's going to provide value in the late rounds where I don't have to forfeit a lot of capital early and I still get a, a guy who was going to help me be a league winner. Yeah, and I remembered my thought in here now is uh, one other thing we instituted, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but if you choose to keep, so say I, I picked up Jamar Chase in the 12th round last year, and I want to keep him for three years. Next year, I'll be sacrificing an 11th round pick, and the year after that, I'll be sacrificing a 10th round pick, and the final year, I'll be sacrificing yep. a ninth round pick. So it makes it much more of a difficult conversation, maybe not in that particular case, but in some cases of whether or not it's worth it to keep a player because you're sacrificing a higher round pick or rather a, 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 a an earlier pick as time goes on. Sure. And and that's, yes, you're, you're hundred percent right. Um, but who knows? I mean, you might draft really well and get some late round fires. We, we also do have uh, on our league where if you drop the player and you don't finish with that player on your roster, they become ineligible for, for keeping. So um, we have a lot of little rules in there to make sure that it's, it is as fair as possible and that people are, are, are holding true versus trying to scam it out. So um, it's fun. It's different. Um, I'm excited for it. I think that if you, if you are somebody who is, is only played in redraft leagues, 
you're kind of interested in maybe doing a dynasty league, I think a keeper league is is a good segue into that because it will kind of teach you a little bit. It, you get invested in players, and it's, it is really fun, but you don't have to get invested in every player. And uh, it, it, it brings a, a new dynamic into fantasy football that's pretty fun. All right, we're going to move on to our next question from Brainiac. Jimmy Casket, 84. Who wins in this trade in a redraft one quarterback league? Returning to the basics here. Are you taking Rashad Penny or Damian Harris? I'm going to take Rashad Penny on this one. Um, as I mentioned earlier in this in the show here, Rashad Penny is going to be the starting running back at the beginning of this year. Whether he finishes that, I'm I'm slightly skeptical that that will be the case. Damian Harris, it, it, from the sounds of it, the beat reporters are kind of given. Ramondre is kind of taking some of the first team reps uh, with with uh, the Patriots there. So Damian Harris is somebody who I'm not excited about. I'm not truthfully excited about any of the Patriots running back room because there's so many different things going on there and different people. And um, and I know that Rashad Penny is going to be on the field. How long? I can't say. But I know that while I have him, he's usable. I'm taking Penny. Our right, next question comes from two cats all day. Whatever that means. All right. He can keep two. Or the one. He is in a 10-team, half-point PPR Superflex League. Which two are you keeping? Lamb in the third, Waddle in the eighth, or Eli Mitchell in the ninth? For me, it's about value. That's what it comes down to here. And I think that if I had to choose, I'm going to keep Waddle and probably Mitchell. I think those are the two guys. I think CeeDee Lamb is due for a good year, but is he due for a good year in the third round? That's probably where you could get him at. Second round, maybe. I mean, he's going a little bit earlier than that, but um, I, I think that, that Waddle is certainly a feasible wide receiver too with upside, and Eli Mitchell is probably going to be a starting running back for them. So I'm going to take both those guys, and you sacrifice an eighth and a ninth round. So you get some other opportunities to get some talented guys early. So I think I'm going to take Waddle and Mitchell on that one. Next question comes from Ezox. He has a big trade for us, as he describes it. What are our thoughts? Dynasty Superflex League, Justin Jefferson in a 2023 second, or Jamar Chase, Carson Wentz in a 2023 third? What do you think? Poop, 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 poop. In a dynasty league. I think I'm going to take Jamar. I think I'm going to take Jamar Wentz in that 2023 third. And here's why. I don't know if Kirk Cousins is going to be with the Vikings next year. He signed a one-year contract. After that, he is done. So if I had to choose between the two of them, as far as who I'd rather have going into this year, it's Justin Jefferson. But you have to be cognizant of quarterback play with all of your wide receivers. And Kirk Cousins signed a one-year deal. After that, is he going to be around? Who is going to be throwing Justin Jefferson the ball? Does that matter? Yeah, it does. Justin Jefferson is an elite wide receiver. He is one of the best in the NFL right now. But if he had, like, if, if Justin Jefferson had Drew Locke throwing to him, his fantasy football output would drop dramatically. So, Got to be cognizant of that. Jamar Chase is young. Joe Burrow is young. They're going to be together for a while. I'm taking that over the unknown of Justin Jefferson in the future. I'm taking Jamar Chase on this one. Next question comes from I Hate Reposts. He's very passionate about this. He's in Get, a him. Get him, buddy. <laughs> He's in a 12-team, one-quarterback PPR league. Which side are you taking? Swift and Amon Ra Dog or a 102, a 104, and De uh, Devonta Smith. He does go on to state that he has Javante Swift and ETN, and he also has the 101, so he's going to be taking Hall here. So I think with that all in mind, you've got a really young running back group, and I love Devonte Swift. I really do. Um, I think the 102 and the 104 are pretty great because you're going to get Hall. You're probably going to take Drake London, I would presume. And I, I don't know who else you're, you're kind of in need of. But between those, that's a lot of picks. So, and, and Devontae Smith is a wide receiver too. You hope that Jalen Hurts can figure it out. I think his value, as I stated earlier, has gone down a little bit with AJB getting there. Uh, but I, I think I, I think I'm going to take the picks on this one. I think that's what I'm going to do. 
Yeah, no, that's the correct answer. There, there are too many good options that you can get that are that are not only young, but they're play now players that are going to come in and make sure. an immediate impact. So I 100% agree. And this question comes from someone who would rather not be named, which I think is very suspicious. So I am already skeptical of the legitimacy of the question, but we will read it anyway. He is in a 12-team PPR Dynasty Superflex format. Are you taking Ken Walker and a 2023 second or Jalen Waddle? Scotty, what are you taking here? What are you doing? Hmm. I don't know. This is a hard one. What do you what do you think? I think it really depends on the needs of your team. Yeah. I mean I it think almost overall, has to. Yeah, I think overall I I'm gonna take Jalen Waddle, I think. I I just I think that's the right answer here. Um Tyreek Hill is getting older, and and he signed, I believe it was a three-year deal, so he'll be around. But Jalen Waddell, as a rookie last year, was dominant. If J- if, if Jamar Chase was not in the league, Jalen Hurts would be all the – or excuse me, Jalen Waddell would be all of the rage right now. He's a great wide receiver. He's young. He's quick. He, he is very athletic, and he is able to make plays. Um, and Ken Walker right now, his output is just not great. He's going to be on a team with a shitty quarterback. It's going to be rough. So I think they're going to be throwing the ball a lot. So I, I think I'm going to take Jalen Waddle on this one. Yeah, the thing that makes it interesting is the pick. Um, yeah. You know, we, we know the 2023 draft is going to be a juicy one, uh, and I'm interested in getting as many first and second round picks as I can in that draft. But ultimately, I do think you're right. Jalen Waddle worries me a little bit just because I'm not sure what the target share is going to be over the next three years, but there's no doubt that assuming it's anything like last year, if he's able to get the ball at all, uh, he is going to be in an exciting offense and hopefully be very productive. So I wouldn't be mad either way on this one, but I think you're probably right. I think Jalen Waddle's probably the right answer. Yeah, I think I think that's what I'm doing. So that's it. I think that's all the questions we have. Is that right, Scotty Del? It is. It looks like it. We're looking at the same all thing. Right. So tell me if I'm wrong, but I think so. No, I, I think we're right. I think we're good. Unless you have anything else you want to talk about, like you, you doing okay? Well, I mean, it might be good to talk. Did you get to watch at all the uh, the Raiders preseason game? Watched a little bit. Did not watch a lot of it, but I will. I will tell you. You and I kind of we we talked on this off the air. Um, I it's all a bunch of second string guys. Don't care about either team whatsoever. But I couldn't help but smile. Because football is freaking back. I'm so excited. And I like a game that was a bunch of nobodies and it didn't matter. And I still was like, yeah, let's watch this shit. Let's get into it. So I did watch a little bit of it. Um, and it was fun to do so. I'm going to, uh, I don't know if our listeners know this or, or Hard Knocks or anything along those lines. The Detroit Lions have Hard Knocks coming on HBO. And I will be watching every fucking episode of the Lions. I love Dan Campbell. And I think I'm low-key, like, I'm rooting for the Lions. They're, I mean, they're my shave-my-head team. So um, I'm excited for them. I think they're going to do a little bit better than they did last year. And uh, Dan Campbell is awesome. So um, I'm pretty excited for that. That comes out uh, today, actually. So um, very excited to watch that. I will be tuning into the first episode of the Detroit Lions Hard Knocks. Yeah, I, I think I just I want to try and squeeze – uh, what little fantasy implications we can out of that preseason game. Because uh, I think there are a couple things that should be noted. So first, we got to talk about my boy Snoop Connor, which no. is undoubtedly <laughs> the coolest name in all that of the That is a cool name. Um, but he got to see a little bit of the field here. And the reason that I think that that is important is because he is sitting behind who on his, uh, on his roster here? He is sitting behind James Robinson and Travis Etienne, both guys who have experienced recent injury. Um, they gave him some touches, um, and I don't think there was – he, he got like 10 yards or something like that. Nothing crazy. But he is someone who, as a very, very young player, and as someone who is sitting behind two people with recent injury history, uh, if you were in a dynasty format, as I did, might be worth a late-round late flyer. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, if you got the the bench depth for it, maybe. But I'm not looking to grab him and, and run with it. I just – You don't have faith in a guy named Snoop? No, <laughs> I don't. I wish I did. I don't. I just, I can't find it. I've looked. It is a cool name, but 
Um, probably not in a redraft league. Maybe a late round. I mean, we well, have twenty. Definitely not in a redraft. But twenty three freaking spots in our our uh, dynasty draft. So yeah, with that kind of depth, I could maybe see the argument there. But or maybe throwing them on a taxi squad or something. But I just both those running backs, James Connor and or excuse me, James Robinson and ETN are both really young guys. They are coming back from injury, and if they can perform, then Snoop's nothing but a depth piece. Yeah, definitely. Well, the other small modicum of value we might be able to get from that preseason game is the number of snaps that Josh Jacobs played. There are kind of two schools of thought going into the season with him not having a renewed contract on this team. Uh, One of them is, okay, they're planning on probably getting rid of him soon. Um, They don't look like they're planning on resigning him, so they might run him into the ground. They might use him as much as possible because they're not worried about his long-term implications. But the other side of it is, okay, they're using him a shitload in this preseason game where none of the other starters are playing. Do they have faith in him? Do they need him to prove himself before they start utilizing him as an RB1? Which of those camps do you fall into? Ah, I think there's a little bit of truth in both parties, to be honest with you. Um, I don't think they're going to re-sign him. I, I don't think that they're going to re-sign Josh Jacobs. I think he will not be a Raider after this year. And maybe he does need to prove himself. I like Josh Jacobs. I mean, the, the problem is, is there's a lot of unknown with this offense, too. They have a new coach. They've got Devontae Adams there. What are they going to do with Josh Jacobs? I don't think he's around in the long haul. I really don't. So, yeah, maybe they do need to prove it a little bit. But I also think that maybe they don't really care because they know that he's not going to be in there for the long haul. I'm, I'm not too sure. That's it. I used all of my brain power to come up with those two tidbits. Are you okay? I'm tired. Gotcha. Well, yeah, I think you did a great job. Thanks, bro. All right. Well, that's all the time that we have. We appreciate you guys tuning in to another episode of Leather Brains. You are now a brainiac, and we appreciate your questions. We appreciate your continued support. Do us just one little favor. Just tell a friend. Tell your fantasy football group chat to go listen to us. Send us your trades so we can tell you that you made a foolish, errant mistake that you will never be able to live down. Or you won, and your friend is an idiot for doing that trade. We'll tell you both sides. So tell them to join us. And that's it. That's all I got. Leather brains. Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. YouTube, we're everywhere. Subscribe. Give us five stars. Scotty, we got to go. We got more milk to drink. It's expiring tomorrow. So we are out. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leather Brains. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing and leaving a five-star rating on your favorite podcast app and YouTube, as well as following us at Leather Brains on Twitter and Instagram. If you're looking for specific fantasy advice, including draft advice, trade insight, starts and sits, or even if you want our thoughts on your sports bets, please feel free to send us a DM on Twitter for an answer and a chance to have your question featured on a future episode. Again, thank you for tuning in, and we'll be back before you know it.